G'day, you're listening to a sermon from Good News Christian Church. My name's Bernard. I'm the preacher and minister at Good News Christian Church. During this coronavirus pandemic, we're actually streaming, live streaming all of our church services. So after you've listened to this sermon, you might like to, on Sunday morning, Australian Eastern Standard Time, 9.30, get across to our YouTube channel and join us for a whole church service. It's never been easier to come to church. Anyway, for now, why not read the Bible readings that are written down in the description, uh, read those and then listen to this sermon and get in touch sometime. I'd love to hear how you go with it. Cheers. What's going to become of us and our church and indeed the, the cause of the gospel amongst us and our mission over the next five, 10, 50, 60 um, years? Can you see it? Have you got, can you conceive of even that far ahead? What do you picture when you imagine that many years into the future? I've got to say, I'm not sure that our founding members could ever have dreamed of um, a, sort of a thriving church with an empty church building on Sunday mornings, could they, with live stream services as we're presently experiencing. But look, once this is all over, as in this present sort of crisis, and even while it's still around, where are we going together, brothers and sisters? Where lies the future for Good News Christian Church? I'd like us to dwell on that question uh, for this sermon as we consider 1 Peter for, um, for this Sunday morning. Some of you have been part of this church since its very inception um, and uh, wouldn't it be great, I, I really look forward to when we're all back together hearing some of the stories from you, direct from you, I hope we can make a space and a, a place to be able to do that um, because I, I think it's so important for us to hear those. So some of you have been around since the very inception of this church, some of you have been around since uh, or at the start of other churches. Now, what was the mood then, the looking toward the future then? I bet it was bright. You know, I bet there was a fire in the belly and a, a sort of a wellspring of momentum and uh, enthusiasm. Uh, perhaps that could be our future. There is a lot happening around our church at the moment. It does feel like, e- even under the present circumstances, that there's a fair bit going on and lots to be thankful for um, and uh, we, we pray for more growth. Now, some of you have been around and a part of a church... Um, as it dwindles, a part of a church as it splinters or fractures um, or fades and even finally dies. It happens to good churches even. Um, Some of you have been a part of this church for all or nearly all of the last 60 years. There have been seasons uh, of baptisms nearly every other week for a while there and, and, and long seasons, years even, with only very few. What else have you seen? You've seen seasons of frantic activity and building projects and progress and enthusiasm and change. And then long seasons of steady, um, faithful plodding, uh, a constancy. Uh, You've seen generations grow up, haven't you? And church attendance um, swell. Uh, You've seen generations drift away and new faces come in to take the place of those who have drifted away, which is is wonderful in a certain sense. We haven't forgotten those who drifted either, have we? Uh, You've seen seasons of uh, conflict, yes, even within our church Uh, and sometimes that conflict has served to clarify uh, what we're about and why we do what we do and the cause of the gospel all the more wonderfully but sometimes, isn't it also true, that there have been seasons of friction that have generated more heat 
than light, more tears than healing. Uh, you've seen ministers and you've seen uh, vicars and elders and deacons come and go. Um, and uh, let me just say, I don't have any plans to, to go anytime soon. I'm not going to drop that bombshell on you today, but I love you guys. I love being your minister and ministering amongst you, and I firmly believe that you guys love me for all of my flaws and, and failings, and as, as we've got to know one another more over these years. But we know, don't we, I won't last forever. Uh, the grass withers and the flowers fall. I know that, and we know that. Friends, where lies the future for Good News Christian Church? What does it actually look like? Will we plant churches? Uh, Will we see another boom of biological growth in our future? Will we enjoy an influx from our community that we've so been praying for and striving for? Will Will we find bring Christ out to the world around us, the people around us, reconnect with those generations who have drifted away? Will you and I see revival in our day? In our future, new Christians delighting in our Jesus alongside us. What's the future hold for us as Good News Christian Church? Brothers and sisters, and I don't only speak to my congregation, you if you're a guest tuning in for this special celebration of church this morning, where lies the future for Good News Christian Church? Well, I can tell you this, our future lives in the Lord's Word of love to us. Our future lives in the Lord's Word of love to us. That's where we've come from and that's where we must go together. That's what 1 Peter's going to show us this morning. I promise you revival, I can't promise you biological growth, I can't promise building projects or, or even pleasant times ahead necessarily, but I'm confident of this, our future lives in the Lord's Word of love for us, because the good news of Jesus is good news for us, it's good news for everyone. So today, let's look at these um, just four verses in 1 Peter. It's where we're going to centre today, these four verses from 1 Peter under this heading, the good news of Jesus is good news for everyone. Uh, We talk about that a lot here at Good News Church, the good news of Jesus is good news for everyone. And I mean that in the sense that Jesus is good news for us as a church, Um, Here's good news for Good News Church, uh, as he has been for the last 60 years. He's not going to let us down. Uh, And I also mean it in the sense that here's the good news for us to carry with us and to go out from us. Here's good news for those who have yet to join Good News Christian Church, uh, and we pray that many will. And I also mean it in the sense that Christ alone is the good news. You know, in the grand scheme of things, He is the future, not just of our church, but of our whole world. He's the good news to which we must cling and hope as we step into our future, who we must hold on to and, uh, and hold out to the world around us. Uh, he's the one who we must call one another back to for the next 60 years in our church life together. So, a uh, very long introduction, I know. Let's pray as we come to 1 Peter and just dive straight in there for this uh, shorter sermon on um, the future of Good News Let's pray. Our generous and faithful and loving Father in Heaven, we turn yet again to Your Word. We turn this morning to Your Word as we've done for the last 60 years in this church, And we ask for your blessing yet again, 
Uh, we ask for insight for our minds. We ask for wisdom for our lives and how we live them. We ask for um, inspiration for our, our wills and our hearts. We also ask for consolation and assurance and comfort for our souls. May we remember and rejoice this morning, Father, that the good news of Jesus is good news for us, is good news for our world, because it's good news for everyone. And we ask it by your Spirit and in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Have you got it there? Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the Word that was preached to you. And Peter there, uh, it's not that long ago that we looked at Peter and his uh, first letter. Peter writes to Christians very much like us. He writes to Christians, who, obviously, who share a faith like ours. He writes to Christians, in a sense, with a history like ours and absolutely with a future um, like ours. Peter wrote, though, do you remember this? He wrote to Christians who were scattered among, uh, around Asia Minor, uh, the region there at the time, who were what, were, what was their circumstance? They were living as exiles, do you remember this? In a culture that neither appreciated them nor admired them particularly, um, yet he writes, Peter writes confidently about their prospects, exiles and tiny and vulnerable though they were, their prospects, their future. He wrote to Christians who, it seems, felt that life uh, you know, when you step back on the big dates, big anniversaries, big moments or whatever, that life feels so very fleeting. They were a suffering people. Um, felt that our faith seemed so very feeble, who maybe even began to wonder if their efforts for the Lord were, in the end, just futile. Friends, I think there is enormous comfort and encouragement for us as we stand at this uh, 60 years celebrating God's faithfulness to us and, and looking ahead into our future, I think there's huge comfort and encouragement in these verses for us. All people are like grass and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So this morning, I'd just like to view the, the good news of this passage in these three points, the good news of Jesus is good news to a loving church. The good news of Jesus is good news to a loving church. The good news of Jesus is good news for a lifeless world. And the good news of Jesus is good news from a living God. The good news of Jesus is good news for a lifeless world and from a living God. So firstly, Peter is making the point that love, how do we put this? It must be, it will be, it always is part of the DNA of every Christian church. And it has to be because it's the DNA of the gospel itself. Love is what Christ bleeds with. So how can we, as God's people, as God's church, be anything but? God's love means good news in God's church do you see? And uh, those of you who have been here for the last 60 years, all the last 60 years, 
Has love been our way? Is it woven into our DNA as a church, who we are, how we understand ourselves, whom God has made us to be? 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22, now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, and obeying the truth there just means responding to the gospel in faith, in context, you have to sort of read above to to grasp that, but now that you've purified yourself by obeying the truth, clinging to Jesus in faith, so that you have sincere love for each other, love love one another deeply from the heart. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. Now, can I just walk a fine line for a moment? I'd like us to, to really drill into verse 23 and understand that the metaphor that Peter's setting before us there in verse 23, uh, but what I don't want to do is be too explicit or graphic. Um, You'll see what I mean in just a moment. I really want us to understand the force of the metaphor, the intention of Peter's metaphor there in verse 23. Peter wants us to know how deeply woven into us as Christians, every Christian, God's love must be. It's who we are, he's saying. It's where, it's in our bones, it's where our life has come from. You are made of love, Christian. God's made you from his very own Love. Do you see verse 23 there? Uh, we love because, what's the point of the seed metaphor there? We love because God has fathered us. He has conceived us. Do you see that the seed metaphor has that old Hebrew sense of a father giving new life to his family? It's not just a horticultural seed that's on view. New birth is what's on view, being born again. It's where uh, God's children have come from, um, the love of God is, is who you are, it's how you have life, new life, enduring life, that's as explicit as I'm going to get. Has love been our way as a church? Is love where we come from? Is it who we are and is it where we're going together? Um, Karen Jobes uh, sort of pokes at us with this little challenge. Uh, she says this, I'd like to share it with you. She says, the love Peter has in view is neither a warm, fuzzy feeling, you know, that sort of love is nice, Uh, nor is it uh, friendships around a coffee pot after worship, which is also nice in my opinion, though love, as Peter defines it, may involve both. Rather, it refers to righteous relationships with each other that are based on God's character, which Christian behaviour reflects. This has got to be our starting point. I think the good news of Jesus is good news for our church because it's, it's who we are. We're made of love, God's love toward us. Uh, and now, what does that mean practically? It means, it, that's what gives us confidence, isn't it? It gives me confidence every week to turn up to church, well, when we're able to gather as church. It gives me confidence every week to turn up to church knowing that I will be met there by people who love Jesus and so they love me. Isn't that what it means for you? I hope it's what it means for you. It gives me uh, comfort that when there's conflict, um, and in some sense there has to be conflict, doesn't there? Because we're putting our creative minds together, we're planning together, we're striving together, we're putting our gifts and our weaknesses all together in the service of Jesus. Of course there's going to be conflict, but when there's conflict, 
or we're planning together or, or praying together and we don't know which way to go or how to spend our money or what we should be doing. It gives me comfort because I know that love has been our way and that love will see us through. Not the strength of my love, but the love of God in us and through us. Love is going to heal our hurts. Love is going to move us forward. Haven't we seen that again and again over the years, brothers and sisters? And sometimes it's been hard, but hasn't it been marvellous in the goodness of God to us? The truth of the Gospel, verse 22, says that you and I have been given life, we've been made alive again by God who loves us through Christ who lived and died for us. So a church may be an imperfect bunch of sinners, our church certainly is, I can tell you that because I'm one of the sinners who's part of it, but we are a loved bunch of lovers. Love one another deeply from the heart, for you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. So we're lovers, uh, firstly, uh, or learning to be, who have found life through the love of God, the only lasting life that there is. And so secondly, let's think on this for our future. The good news of Jesus is good news uh, for a loving church or to a loving church, but it's good news, secondly, for a lifeless world, for a dying world, a passing world, a fleeting, fading, finite, mortal world. 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 23, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God, for all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. Have you dwelled on those verses before from Isaiah 40? That's uh, obviously, I mean, Peter read it to us uh, just a few moments ago. Uh, But have you dwelled on those? All people are like grass. I want to ask you, does that strike you as, um, how would I put it, kind of pessimistic, uh, morbid, um, a bit hopeless or heavy? Or is it something else to you? All people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. I think it's possible to read that in a rather depressing light. Is that the way that you hear it? Why do I say that? Well, because, uh, you know, good for God's word, but I'm still going to die. Um, and I suppose if, we, if we're thinking about the 60 years past and the 60 years ahead, what can I say about the 60 years ahead? Well, I'm confident that I won't be there in 60 years' time. Well, pretty confident. It's all very well for God to keep going, for God's Word to keep going, but there's not much hope for me, is there, if you want to get all long-term about it. Friends, it is possible to read it that way, but can we take note that the people in Isaiah's time and the people in Peter's time, what did they see? What was the world around them? They saw a, a rich and powerful world around about them, swirling around them, in all of its power and glory and self-importance and they felt small, they felt tiny and God's plan for them felt, um, how would you put it, distant Uh, and God's care for them felt inconsistent, dare I say it. Um, One writer put it like this, Isaiah 40, he says, 
is a cry uttered at a time when men were gradually turning away from God, gradually closing their minds to Him, and gradually letting their faith grow cold. These are the circumstances which lent urgency to the cry. Israel, or God's people, must be aroused. Uh, Friends, what are we saying here? We, We aren't born again of a word that's going to fade like grass again. We don't live by the seed of a God, you know, we don't have this life by the the very seed, the Word of God, that's just going to age and die. God doesn't age and die. We don't hope in a Christ who remains in a lifeless grave, do you see? In all the world, you and I, we Christians, we alone hold on to this hope, the Word of the Lord endures forever. And that's where our life is. That's where life is to be found. That's where the only enduring life is to be found. So, will we live like that? Friends, what will become of the world around us apart from Christ? Have we the courage to face that reality together into the next 60 years and to set ourselves again and again to the task of not only being good news to ourselves, but good news for that dying and lifeless world. The good news of Jesus is good news for our lifeless world, for our lifeless, uh, for, for those passing and fading and fleeting friends even, and family and loved ones. And it's only by becoming born of this imperishable, enduring seed of the Word of the Gospel that they might live and find life and, and endure with us. So, as we look ahead today, brothers and sisters, what of the next 60 years? The next 60 years may contain many things, and I I hope they do, in the provision of God to us, but may they contain at least this, a good news church that leans with confidence on the Lord's enduring Word, as we lead a lifeless world back to their loving Lord uh, with that enduring world. Uh, And finally, so uh, first, the good news of Jesus is good news to a loving church for a lifeless world. Perhaps the obvious point, thirdly, we don't just serve an idea, we don't just live by some ideal. The good news of Jesus, thirdly, is good news from a living God. Um, So our God lives, our Christ is risen, and so His Word endures. Death cannot uh, be the end of Him, and that means His children are alive. God is the God of the living, not of the dead. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. For all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the Word that was preached to you. To you, brothers and sisters, this is the word that was preached to you. Is the risen Christ the word that's been preached to you all these years from this pulpit? Uh, Brothers and sisters, I want to hold you to this uh, and challenge you in this. I want to hold myself to this. I want to hold us uh, to this. I want to hold the next minister here. Uh, and the one after him, and the vicars, and the ministry apprentices, and leaders, and elders, and uh, all the rest, this is the word that was preached to you. This is the word that we've received, that we've heard, the living and enduring word of God, this one. And may it be preached for another 60 years among us, not just among us, 
Among us, yes. And to one another, but from us and out to our world. Why? Because Jesus isn't just an idea. And love isn't just an ideal. He is the good news. And he's alive and he always has been, well, since his resurrection. uh, And he always will be. The good news of Jesus is good news for everyone. To God be the glory. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, uh, we are like grass, but your glory is forever. Uh, We fall like flowers, and yet we are alive even now. Our life is safe with you because Christ lives, and he will endure forever, and we will endure through him. Father, we give you thanks right now for the faithful labour of gospel uh, men and women, young and old, over the last 60 years uh, in proclaiming Christ in this church for our benefit, not just from up the front, but one to another as we minister to one another the word of Jesus. Uh, God, we live, uh, in a sense, humanly speaking, because this is the word that was preached to us, uh, whether in this church or some other one. And Father, we thank you that your spirit continues to work salvation continues to work maturity in our midst and if it pleases you God may Christ be proclaimed with courage and with clarity and with creativity and comfort with gladness and with joy uh, from us for 60 more years even up until the day of Christ's return Uh, may we proclaim life may we practice love May we lean in faith on our Lord every year that you give us together and in Jesus' name we ask it, Amen.